It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the, to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, Anson, yes! Touchdown, did he get it? What's going on? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Hour number two. Continuing to talk a lot about the Aggie football team. Scrimmage number two in the books on Saturday. Jason and I were able to be there for the fans. It was their first chance to see the Aggies. So we'd love to continue to get your feedback. What did you see? What questions might you have? What are you excited about as you see this team? Uh, we, we didn't get a chance last hour to hear from the coach of the players. We will do that this hour. Um, a lot of great texts coming through. It's been awesome. You guys are great. With a lot of questions and comments coming in on the full court press this uh, today. We'll uh, the top twenty-five polls out. The AP poll was out earlier today. USU getting votes. Um, we'll get to uh, the, a number of former Aggies trying to impress teams that they're on in the NFL. A quick recap of who did what for their respective teams, and if that sheds any light on their potential future with an NFL roster spot. Um, and we'll get to pick six, another way to recap the weekend. How do we do in trying to predict things that took place this past weekend? So it's all coming up on the Full Court Press this hour. Uh, if you want to weigh in, 435-339-0321 on the Full Court Press text line. Uh, we got through several texts before we went to break. Uh, a few more have come through, Jason. Yeah, we've got 9310. He asked, if we get up by 21 on UConn, do you think we'll pull the starters, or do we need the extra practice for Alabama? And, I mean, I guess the question is, when are you up 21? Because um, if it's 21 in the fourth, then maybe. Kind of the rule of thumb that I – I believe I got this from Bill Belichick. Somebody asked him, and he gave his response, was you pull your starters when you feel like there aren't enough possessions for the other team to come back and win. That's not always the case in college football because sometimes you'll pull your starters when you're up like 50 to 7 and if you're up to like half, right. which that happened to Utah State a few times in 2018 where they pulled their starters early in the third. I don't know if that it'll be that early for Utah State, but if they're up big in the late third, you'll probably see them pull their starters. Yeah, I, I, for me, it's generally if you've got um, two to three touchdowns, well, well, we'll we'll go with the three-touchdown lead here because you're up by 21, <laughs> but if you – if you if you're up by 21, and it's the start of the fourth quarter, your uh, your first possession, I think you still keep your starters in. After that, you pull them. Yeah, because we've seen 21 point comebacks in seven minutes. It's possible, unlikely, but possible. And you don't want that to happen. No, but on your field, and you're if you're already up by that much, the fourth quarter, and uh, with your you know you got the ball. I think you you should be in pretty good situation. Yeah. Uh, look, Logan Bonner's already coming back from injury, so I wonder how much you play him anyway against UConn. Now, UConn's not an FBS program, so I think you, you probably keep him in there a lot longer than, say, against Weber State. But um, 
Yeah, you, you don't want to risk a late game injury in a game that's already decided. Yeah, and if you're up big, and even if you're keeping your starters in just you know, to maintain that 21-point lead, uh, so to speak, at least we're using an example here, you run the ball a lot, quick, easy passes, really basic stuff. We could end up seeing Logan Bonner having a pretty mediocre second half if they're up big, where they're just not doing a whole lot. But it's them playing conservative because they're up. Well, and Cooper Lagarde, you're not going to see a letdown. You're not going to see a big difference if if he's in there instead, or if they want to give Levi a run, and which, which he'll probably run a lot. <laughs> you want to run the clock, bring in Levi Williams. But um, yeah, I, I just I don't see Logan if it's if it's a three touchdown lead. And you're the start of the fourth quarter. You maybe keep him in for the, your first possession. After that, pull him. Yeah. Um, two three zero five. With a question that for some reason catches me off guard because he's asking, "What kind of a team should we expect in UConn?" I feel like that's a question I should be ready for by now. But uh, he says, "They have a win- did they have a winning record a year ago? And what is expected from this, them this year?" I'm pretty sure they had a losing record last year. They had a losing record. Have had a series of losing records. They have a new head coach, so there is some uncertainty and unknowns about what UConn will look like this year because they have a new head coach. Uh, sometimes that means teams are motivated to play for the new guy. Sometimes it means the new guy's trying to figure out what it means to be a head coach. Uh, they've been independent for the last three years. They didn't, well, they didn't play in 2020. Um, they went 1-11 in 2021. They were two and ten in twenty nineteen, one and eleven in twenty eighteen, three and nine, three and nine, six and seven, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah, Not a very a good program. Team. They've been a bad team. But yeah, they did fire the guy who had most of those bad years, uh or I don't know, fired or whatever happened to him. Randy Edsall or Yeah, Jim Mora. You think coach. Is that Jim Mora Junior or That's a good question. He knows how to coach football. Yeah, just a little bit. He was the playoffs guy, right? <laughs> playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> Just want to win a game. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. A couple more texts coming through. One five seven zero. Kind of off subject, but I noticed that the packages for the NBA All Star Game in Salt Lake have been released. Prices are outrageous. Lowest single day price that I saw was twelve hundred, and the most expensive was twelve thousand. Seems a bit steep to me. Yeah, when I saw those come out, and I I had a similar reaction, and so did most people. They're like, who the heck in Utah is paying for this? And the answer is not very many because it's people outside of Utah, the social elites, and they buy the tickets, and they pay those prices, and yeah. Yeah. But if you're a a local jazz fan, stay home and watch it on the telly. That's basically what the jazz organization is telling you. Yep. Stay home. We'd, we're pricing you out of the market, and they don't care one bit. Nope. And none of the teams hosting it care. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to jazz because they're doing what everybody else does. It's an NBA thing, not a jazz thing. Yeah, it's a good distinction. Uh, 9315, do you just start Lega in UConn and Alabama to save Logan? No. You're still playing a you football still, season. You, it's a, still a game you want to try to win. We're, we're trying to repeat from last year. You know, I mean, I, I get the sentiment. Um, but, yeah, you, you play your star quarterback. Yeah. 
Look, this team beat two Power 5 schools away from home last year. And there's a good number of these guys back. They know they can play really well against teams that should be, in air quotes, better than them. So they're going to be motivated to go out and try to prove something. Yeah. So why why take that from them? Yeah, maybe you pull him early. That's a thing. But, yeah, you're not benching him for two games unless they feel he's not healthy enough to play, which is a totally different concern and possibility. Yes. 2305, what can we expect with Weber State? They have a good team in their league and in their division. How do they match up with us? Now, give give that coaching staff credit. They always do play hard. They are not a pushover. They will be more competitive than who did they play last year? North Dakota State. So that that will be there will be more of a challenge. And look, there's there's the local angle too, right? There's a lot of people, guys who feel like maybe they got passed over, guys that are familiar with uh um, I guess North Dakota, not North Dakota State. But those those in state games can be kind of saucy sometimes. So don't don't overlook Weber State. Yeah, you don't want to. Utah State's had a lot of success uh, against Weber State, despite the fact Weber State's been a really good um, FCS programmer. They're FCS, right? Yeah. Yeah. So great FCS program the last you know four or five years. Yeah, Utah State's still done pretty well against them. There is a talent gap between. Utah State and FCS teams. And so it will show up. And if this team's as good as we're hoping they are, then we're looking at a, a similar score between Utah State and Weber State as we're kind of expecting between Alabama and Utah State. That's a really good comparison. The, the talent gap is about the same. Um, yeah. Alabama, I saw this earlier, they have been ranked number one, what was it, seven of the last 15 years? These preseason polls. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And the other ones are Ohio State and Georgia. Maybe Oklahoma. Like It's a list of like four teams in the last 15 years probably. Yeah. It's a, a very, Clemson. very Clemson. select few teams that are, are always there. And you get these teams in Power Fives. Texas, Tennessee, which I know I just list them off and neither in the top 25. but So maybe it's not a great example for this year. But like every year these teams are getting back in. And then they fall out. Yeah, and Texas and Tennessee just being the two main examples. Maybe this year they're getting smart because neither are in the top 25, but they're 26 and 27 on the ballot. They're both just barely outside. So, but maybe, maybe this is the year Texas is back, which is like my second favorite thing <laughs> in sports behind the <laughs> NFC East is the Texas is back every year. Yeah, right. Oh, well, Texas, uh, Texas Tech. With all the, uh, or excuse me, not Texas Tech, Texas A&M, the drama with them paying their players. Texas A&M, uh, my dad said at one point, like Texas A&M has like the most, I don't know if entitled is the right word, like just their fans are like so, you know, they hype up their team so much for a program that has done basically nothing. But they hype them up. And they have a uh, huge budget too. Oh, huge, huge. <laughs> Underrated, though, uh, Utes coming at number seven in the uh, AP, number eight in the coaches. I think a lot of the media were having them close to the top five. I saw some preseason you know, kind of media speculation bouts that had them close to the top five. I don't know. I think top ten is definitely where they should be. You know, They'll prove whether or not they should move up. 
Uh, Utah State, meanwhile, uh, receiving two votes in the AP poll and uh, receiving, uh, what was it, how many votes in the uh, coaches? They received 12 in the coaches. Uh, But they had their scrimmage on Saturday, and uh, the head coach, Blake Anderson, addressed the media. The uh, couple players addressed the media as well. Calvin Tyler, Jr., Patrick Joyner, Jr., addressed the Aggies as well. Uh, let's first hear from the coach, uh, his reactions and, and to what he saw or perhaps didn't see at Utah State's second scrimmage of fall camp, which took place on a really beautiful Saturday afternoon on Merlin Olson Field. Uh, scrimmage two in the books. Uh, the good thing is that we're, we don't play yet. We're not a finished product by any means. we still got a lot of work to do. But... Um, you know, we got to look at a lot of guys today. If you watch, there was a ton of different rotations trying to get kind of a last live look at a handful of guys to see if they can help us. thought the defense had just more, a little bit more juice in the offense today. They're all beat down and exhausted and tired, but um, we, uh, we're not quite done yet. Three more days of camp before we can kind of turn the page and start looking at game one. And, you know, I think the film will be really good to learn from. Not sure we did anything really, really well today, but uh, – you know, we got a lot of situations work that we haven't had a chance to get live. That'd be good to teach from, and hopefully, in the midst of all the chaos and all the transitions from one group to the next, and substitutions. Hopefully, we're going to find a few guys that that showed up in a way today that we can count on them as we start leaning towards game time. Beyond that, until I see the tape, be hard to tell you much else. There are a couple of contributors on the offensive line out today. Um, yeah. Uh, well, dinged up, but should be back in a couple days, but weren't ready to go today. So it, that obviously affected the that first group a little bit. And, and there were other guys that were on a limited basis as well. And the integrity of the O-line is, is a critical thing. And when you start making substitutions there, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look the same. So I'm frustrated with, with that, but it was necessary today to get those guys back and get them healthy. We got a chance to see Dom Tatum as well. Yeah. I think he's looking great considering the injury that he had and how significant it was. It was possible that he wouldn't play football again. And then to, for him to be ready at this early stage in the year has um, our rehab department and our strength department and Dom himself have done a phenomenal job. And he's uh, he's gained about 10, 15 pounds, and I think he looks awesome. And we're lucky to have him back. He was one of our best you know, players in the back end when he went down last year. Coach Ike Larson has had a big impact here in the scrimmage. What have you seen out of him so far? Who's that? Ike Larson. Oh, uh, as I said, I think last week, I mean, the guy the guy just keeps showing up. Uh, he's been a pleasant surprise. I, I thought he showed up some in the spring where glimpses, but he's had as good a fall camp as anybody. And and that, along with getting Dom back, creates some depth back there that we desperately need. And I think he'll be a big contributor on special teams, nickel package, dime packages. And, and, and I can see him very easily working in the rotation where he's playing some significant snaps with the, with the number one defense. Uh, your t- Ron, your tight end today, lined up next to the quarterback, took, took a few carries today. Is that is that a new wrinkle? Uh, well, we're looking at, you know, obviously we were doing some four-minute stuff and uh, some goal line stuff and looking at some package personnel. You've got Levi, who's 230 pounds and can run. Now, he's in a red jersey, so it wasn't quite what you'd want. There may be some tackles he could break that uh, in a red jersey, he's not going to get a chance. But Ron brings a physical I – mean, he's like having another old lineman on the field. If he was standing here, I'd tell him he's big, he's fat. So uh, we, we're we using that 270-pound body in some unique ways. 
and that is that is a wrinkle that that we're flirting with. We'll see see how much it gets uh, use during the season. Nobody really wants to talk to you right now. Look, I, I notice I notice how you get right in the camera. Yeah, okay, whatever. So felt like this week you broke up a few more big runs, maybe last week. Um, you feel like the run game is at least coming along and improving for sure. Man, I don't know if anything's coming wrong. I mean, it's hard to tell on a day like today because we did so much shuffling around. It was good to see us pop some runs. Um, but I just didn't think we did anything consistent enough to be real excited about anything other than the fact that we don't play for two more weeks. And we, we, we just got to keep sure up. You mentioned we got some guys out, so I'm, I'm hoping that once we settle in that five and we can get good reps with them on a daily basis that we'll start being a little bit more consistent. The big Patrick, runs were good. That was good. That was exciting. Sorry, Patrick Joyner Jr. was not available last week, but yeah. he showed up today. So yeah. Yeah, so he's been dealing with uh, some lower back and, and lower leg issues in the last couple weeks and wanted to try to get out here last week and just wasn't quite ready. Towards the middle of this week, looked better and better. And, and he, he, we saw him last year, man. When the guy's healthy, he, he's, he's an impact player, and we need him to be well and continue to play like he did today. Coach, beyond Don Tatum, what's your overall assessment? of the secondary, not just today, but in camp as a whole, and who are some guys that you've been impressed with throughout? Uh, getting down back has been huge. Uh, I think A.J.'s move to corner has been a really good move for him. His length showed up again today, although I think Dre and Mike are both playing great. Gervin Hall is a phenomenal addition to, to losing Shaq. But then we've already talked about Ike Larson is a super pleasant surprise because he's really able to play either one of those spots back there and gives us a ton of versatility. Um, you know, we've been working through the process of trying to fill the gap of losing Switzer in the spring game, and everybody was able to see uh, Amari play a little bit today and start showing up, and he's the guy that's been battling injuries. But if you get him on the field, I, I believe it gives us enough depth to be really, you know, kind of play more than one guy, keep guys fresh, and be dynamic back there. I mean, I think you saw that today. Anything else? You had Ron out there taking uh, carries look like Ale wanted a chance. Any, any they all want a chance. Everybody <laughs> over there wants to be the quarterback or the running back. Right? <laughs> so, and I told him, no, not happening. <laughs> Just tackle quarterbacks, you'll be fine. That's uh, Blake Anderson after the scrimmage on Saturday. Um, he was He was frustrated with his team's performance. Now, he's an offensive-minded guy. So he he wants to see the offense score points and move down the field. Uh, I think if it was uh, Ephraim Banda addressing the media after the scrimmage, it was, probably would have been a very different take. But uh, Coach Anderson feels like uh, things still need to be moving along on his football team. They're not satisfied with where they're at, which yeah, isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I was a bit surprised at how almost negative it felt, and I kind of thought about it more, and I'm like thinking maybe because he didn't seem so much angry as he was emphasizing that this team isn't ready. We shouldn't take this team at face value. This, this is the team that's going to show up in two weeks. And so that's kind of what I ended up taking out of it, and that's what I wrote in my, in my little recap. Um, shameless plug for my recap on Cash Valley Daily. Yes. <laughs> that's how it'd be like. But there was reason to be frustrated. I mean, he used the word frustrated because he was talking about the offensive line where they're missing some guys, and so it's incomplete, and so it's hard to evaluate. And obviously the offensive line didn't perform super well. Um, Specifically in pass rush situations, there was pressure on the quarterback all the time this week and last week. So, like I said, 21 sacks in the last couple uh, scrimmages, which you know, I, I try to calculate. I don't have the exact number of dropbacks, so I can't get an exact percentages, but it's somewhere between 16 and 20% uh, sack rate, which is absurd. 
you know, usually you hope for like the low single digits, but 15 to 20% sack rate, nah. Yeah. Now, granted, in the scrimmage, you basically get in the vicinity and you put your hand on him, and it's considered a sack. Yeah, though there are a few that they didn't give to him that was like, okay, he would have plowed him over, like, yes. Um, that he didn't get. I know, I think Byron Vaughn's had one like that where he, later he was like, wait, raising his hands, like, come on. I just stripped the ball out of his hand. <laughs> that's that's how close he was. Yeah. But they ended up giving them the throw. Um, so, yeah, like, the offense definitely has a ways to go, um, especially in the passing game. The run game did do better, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, the yards per rush was a lot better. Again, if I'm factoring out the quarterback numbers, which, again, there's a bit of noise there, but in, in doing that, but the running backs did pretty well, as we said. Makakone, Calvin Tyler, John Gentry again. Gentry had some good runs. Yeah. Yeah. He, had, he, had, he had the most yards. I think I think in back-to-back scrimmages, he's had the most yards. Um, but and among the fewest carries. Yeah. He had only had like he only had like six in this one, but he had 58 yards. And the next two, I think, were 50 and 45. Uh, I, I thought that Will Moore, Jordan Wilmer, <laughs> played better at the running back position. We saw a little bit more of him Saturday than the week before. That's encouraging. Yeah, we saw a couple of good runs out of him, whereas I think last week he had maybe one decent run, but he had a few more uh, in this scrimmage. So, again, like pretty much every running back that went out there and played had a decent run, if not multiple. Um, I thought Makakone was the best out there. Again, the way he's running, you'd almost think he was the starting running back. But obviously, Calvin Tyler has that. He's got that pedigree. He's obviously going to start, and I think he'll end up being better in the season. But in that scrimmage alone, even the last two scrimmages, it's felt like Makakone has been better. Yeah, he's he's a, a little more of a power runner in the yeah. way his style and to be able to get a few more yards that way. Uh, 435-339-0321, your reactions to what Coach said or what you saw in the scrimmage on Saturday, uh, getting to some of those texts. Uh, 9315. What do you look for if you're coaching the UConn and Alabama games to help improve the team for conference play? I think consistency would be a big thing that any coach would want early in a season. Um, and if you can make some plays, if you can move down the field, I mean, this our Alabama may just may have just bigger size, more skill. But if you're running the play like you're supposed to. Against them, it may not, the, you know, work exactly like it's planned, but if you look like you're doing what you're supposed to do and doing your best to do it, then and and continue to show that progression and improvement as a, as a team, I think that's what you would want, at least in going in a game against Alabama. Yeah, I think exactly the consistency. It's doing your job as you're supposed to be doing it, because you're playing a UConn of who, if they're really bad, it doesn't matter what you do, you're just going to be successful but you want them to be doing it properly when a guard pulls he should be pulling the way he will against a conference opponent and he should be doing it against Alabama and I know against Alabama he's gonna be running into a six foot eight 290 pound defensive end who runs a four three and it's not going <laughs> to go very well but at least you're trying whereas against UConn you're going against a 511 210 pound defensive end some exaggeration there. Right. <laughs> but you know doing those things the way you're supposed to be doing them each time Make sure that, you know, Logan Bonner, when he's throwing throws against UConn, they're not turnover-worthy passes and just getting away with them because UConn can't do it, you know, can't intercept it. And, you know, there's some passes that you're just going to lose against Alabama because 
your receiver is going to get out muscled, and that's just going to happen. So just try and make sure that there's that you're doing the things the way they're supposed to be done. Don't make those mistakes against either team, and you're going to live with what you can't pull off against Alabama because they're just better than you. And you try not to live with the stuff that you did wrong but got away with against UConn. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, the best-case scenario is that um, obviously you win, but you win with stuff that you know you can improve upon. And uh, the coaches like to win games, but they also like to have a a list of things that still need to be worked on so nobody gets too high that they realize they still have a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and it's maybe better that Alabama's – Maybe the second one of these, because um, maybe you kind of get, you know, a good warm up, and then after Alabama, it's like, all right, you know, you got your kicks in against UConn. Now you just got your butt handed to you. Let's go work on the things we need to work on. That's true. Uh, next text on full court press text line two three zero five. I know last year we played Washington State and Oregon State. Who else in that league would we be equivalent to, in your opinion? Yeah, and he asked earlier. I. Uh, I think he was the one asked about... Uh, oh, no, I skipped that question. Yeah, the hypothetical question about who in the Pac-12 Utah State would be most like in this year's preseason. And we talked about this because I brought it up because I don't know the Pac-12 that well, so it's hard for me to answer this question. And I think we landed on kind of Oregon State, and I think also maybe UCLA, where if you look at the preseason poll, they're kind of outside the, you know, the group of favorites. Utah State's maybe not completely outside the group of favorites because they did get some first-place votes for their division. But they are considered to be a couple spots down. Um, possibility to over to, you know, maybe win the division. Whereas maybe UCLA and Oregon State don't have that. But, you know, that's the best I can do for you. Yeah, the reason why Oregon State kind of stands out to me just a team that was improving, gaining some momentum, caught some people by surprise. I think their storyline last year similar to USU's in some ways. So um, what they look like this coming year. Don't know. I like I'm like Jason. I don't know the Pac-12 is top to bottom like I probably should yeah. at this point. Uh, five three three eight. Very impressed by the kicking game prior to the scrimmage. Coles nailed three progressively longer field goals against a soft rush with no wind. Also impressed by Davenport in his short time. Very athletic. Looking forward to uh, watching his progress. Yeah, Davenport's got an arm on him. He throws a mean bullet pass. So. Uh... I'm curious to see, you know, you, we haven't gotten to see a lot of him, so I don't know really how good his arm is, but it'd be interesting to see how big of an arm he's got because we haven't had a big arm quarterback in a while aside from Jordan Love. A lot of these guys have had decent arms. You know, the Logan Bonners, even Henry Columbia is a backup, Chucky Keaton and the like, but not like a huge arm guy. Yeah, Love had a cannon. Yeah. And it's interesting that the Davenport, Got some play in the scrimmage a week ago and got some play in the scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah, he's clearly the fourth string guy. Um, you know, from Bonner to Laga, Williams, Davenport. Then there's two guys after that, which I don't know. Yeah, we haven't really seen them yet. I think but one of them's a walk on, but I, I, there's there really isn't a debate in my mind with the quarterback. There's no controversy with the quarterback room. It's pretty cut and dry. It's Logan Bonner, then it's Cooper Lega, then it's Levi Williams. Uh, if you've seen the two scrimmages, in the scrimmages from the spring, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it's interesting because this is 
So far as I can tell, this is the first time Bonner has not had a split quarterback room in his career. Last year it became him as a starter, but he started, you know, no, they, they started the season splitting with Peasley. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm not saying that Laga and Williams will never see the field. There may be times where they do, either in a blowout situation. Williams, you might bring him in on certain special situations because he's big and he's a good runner. Uh, he there may be some times where you need him in there. Cooper Lacaw is is the better quarterback, but if you need a certain situation where you need a few yards or at least make the defense think that you're going to run it and scramble it, Levi Williams might be that guy. Yeah, I wonder if there could be a goal line package with him in it. It's entirely possible. And and kind of speaking, uh, two three oh five asked, does Levi Williams only play quarterback for this size? He seems like he'd help us in many ways. Um, I mean, it's probably because he's spent a lot of time playing quarterback, so that's what he does best. It, at this point, it'd probably be hard to try and convert him to something else, and it would depend on whether or not he has the mentality to play that. Because like people talk about Tim Tebow playing tight end or fullback his entire NFL career, and while he was not in the NFL, saying he should come back and try that, and then he did. It was a disaster. Yeah, it was, and there was you know, the one play that's in everybody's heads where he's trying to block somebody and like wusses out. <laughs> it's like some guys just aren't, you know, they're not built like that. And yeah, he'd run people over when he was running the ball, but it's different when you're blocking a guy. Very true. All right, got to take another quick timeout here on the Full Court Press. Love to continue to get the uh, texts coming through on the Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. We'll also hear from Calvin Tyler Jr., Patrick Joyner Jr. on what they saw in the scrimmage and how they feel fall camp is moving along. That's coming up in about three and a half minutes. Uh, but first, Grantham Mobile Automotive is uh, on the move. They, he'll come to you. He's fast. He's affordable. And come to where your vehicle is, where, wherever it's having its issue, at your home, at your office, somewhere on the side of the road. He'll come to you, uh, 435-229-4345. Just give him a call. He is certified. He knows what he's doing. 435-229-4345. SC Needham Jewelers is where Utah gets engaged. People from St. George to Rexburg drive to Logan to shop Utah's oldest jewelry store. And one major reason is price. When diamonds are compared up and down the Wasatch Front, SC Needham's is as low or lower than any store in the state. We compete with any 50 to 70% off sales, student discounts, or so-called wholesale prices. So when it's time for an engagement ring, come to the store where Utah gets engaged. Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. SC Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Elements has delicious lunch specials, two for $30, or the new soup, salad, and bread special for just $10 is tasty and quick. Elements' lunch menu is full of scrumptious items prepared with a personal touch. Wood-fired pizzas are an excellent choice that include barbecue chicken and the bee's knees. The fresh-battered halibut fish and chips with seasoned fries is always a hit. And don't forget the fan-favorite Munster Burger. Casual or professional, open Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 9 p.m. Visit the ElementsRestaurant.com for reservations today. This is Ryan at My Mattress. Three $500 gas card with the purchase of an IntelliBed or Tempur-Pedic? Yes, absolutely. Buy them at the lowest prices in the country, plus get a $500 gas card. As with every purchase at My Mattress, get a 90-day sleep guarantee and a 90-day price guarantee. Up to five years, no interest financing available. All of this 
plus the $500 gas card right now. Isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? Only at my mattress. Jenny and I don't often get a chance to just sit and talk. She's so busy. That's what I get for having such a bright and talented daughter. But last Tuesday, she invited me out for a bite to eat at Barrel and Stave, and we talked about old times. It was great. Oh, and the handcrafted cocktails and wine were great, too. Barrel and Stave, a relaxed, comfortable atmosphere, makes for the perfect place to wind down after a long day at work or connect on a nice night out. Barrel and Stave, good feelings, great food, exceptional experience. Located at 33 Federal Avenue, open Tuesday through Saturday at 4 p.m. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. A lot of great texts coming through today. Love it. Love hearing from you guys about what's on your mind, questions you may have about Utah State football as they, they get ready for the season opener on August 27th against UConn. Uh, scrimmage number two in the books yesterday. Not yesterday, Saturday. Uh, your reactions to what you saw there. We heard Coach Anderson not oh, really a glowing review of how his scrimmage went, but he's an offensive-minded guy. He loves to see his offense perform a little bit better. Not totally negative, but just a coach trying to keep it real with his team and expects uh, you know, more out of what his guys are doing, or in this case, not doing just yet. Yeah, he is a coach. Being a coach, his job is to not be the cheerleader. His job is to be the critic in a lot of ways. Um, sometimes you got to be a cheerleader because you got to motivate your guys, but that's like you know pregame and halftime. When you're at practice, he probably should be your biggest critic. And if you're doing your job well, and it doesn't mean you have to be a, you know, a horrible person about it. Because that's the way he was in this. He wasn't being like, oh, my players were terrible, and they didn't do this, and this guy blew that coverage, and that guy didn't block. No, he was just being, you know, critical. Honest assessment. Yeah. Constructive criticism, and that's the key. And he talked about going and watching the tape, and they learned from it. And that's the key. Uh, what about the players, though, themselves? How did they feel how things went? Calvin Tyler Jr., he met with the media following the scrimmage on Saturday. This is what he had to say. How does scrimmage number two feel? Man, it felt great. Um, Got to get back to the drawing board, though, like work on things that we could have did better today. But I feel like I'm good. Like, we good where we at right now. And, uh, we'll keep working and keep improving. Obviously, there were some encouraging things in the running game today. How, how good do you feel once you get all those linemen back and you know, you're able to get into a little uh, bit more of a, a, a cadence, a, a rhythm there? How good do you feel uh, your running, rushing attack is going to be? Uh, we feel great about it right now, man. Uh, all the guys, like you watched it today, we all can come in and do the same thing, make big plays. And uh, we feel great about the line that played today. I mean, some, some things happen, sometimes things happen, but we feel great about it. And um, like we say in the running back room, we want to be the spark. For the team, so whatever. When we gotta make plays, we gonna make plays. We gonna do our job every play. Yes, Kevin, what's your assessment of your guys' running room? Like, there's a couple of new guys, some freshmen and some transfers. How do you think those specific guys have looks? Oh, uh, everybody looked good. Like, it, I can't even finger point like who did better, or whatever. Like, it's it's competitive. That's a competitive room, and um, 
like for me too, like my job, I feel I came here, like my job ain't safe. I still got to come in and compete and um, battle with these guys day by day. And, uh, we've been working hard. We've been improving, like I said, and uh, we're going to keep it going. You've had a chance to see the your guys' defensive line up close and personal a yeah. lot. Like, what have you seen out of those guys as far as how well they're doing? We got some monsters. And um, we saw that all camp. If y'all came to every, was able to come to every practice, like them guys have been working, um, the energy is there for them. Like, uh, you got Byron, Holly, all them guys up there, DG, like, them guys' energy is unmatched. And um, I love going to, going against them every day and getting better every day. Them. Who? Oh, Ron, uh, I tried to a little bit, but that's big. That's a big guy, so he can't do what I do, but uh, he going north and south with it, best believe. Yes, sir. <laughs> Anything else for Calvin? Calvin, just overall, just vibes with three practices left in fall yes, camp. How do you think the team's doing just uh, just energy-wise? The energy there, like I said, if y'all was here every practice, y'all would have saw. I mean, we probably lit dead on offense today, but that's okay. We're going to pick it up. We know I'm like still got two weeks of game day, so we're going to make sure it's right for like the Mav, right for the fans. So we're going to bring it back. But um, practice has been, been great. Like, like that's how you want it. Like, I feel like I said this in one of the interviews. Like, our energy has never been like this. So I love it. I love how it's been so far. That's definitely. Thank y'all. So that's Calvin Tyler Jr. He's always an upbeat guy. Coach may be a little bit down, but Calvin's not. Yeah, he's always a lot of the players. You know, when they're doing the interview, it's always positive. You know, because they're just they're just loving it. They're playing football. I mean, after they lose, you know, they'll be a little down. But these practices, they're always excited. They're playing football. These guys are getting ready. And they're really hyped to play their first game, and they got a chance to play in front of the fans for the first time, which is exciting. Tyler had 12 carries, 45 yards, got into the end zone a couple times, and some of those were on short short yardage uh, package situations, which was a bit of a concern the week before. Just if Utah State needed to get short yards, could they get it? And uh, it was fun to, to see that work and be successful. Kind of interesting some of the different packages they had in there for some of those situations. Yeah, and they did pretty well in the goal line. In, you know, when they were struggling in kind of the open field, they went to some, some goal line situationals, and then they went back to some more open field stuff. They did really well. They were scoring. I mean, granted, some of them, when you're lining up on the two-yard line, the expectation is that you get in. But even starting from, like, the nine, they were having success getting into the end zone. So the goal line offense looked pretty competent even when they were having trouble moving the ball, which is it's a good sign that when they get into the red zone, they can score, which something from last year's team is that I, I joked they were the best team getting from their 20-yard line to the opposite 40 and then just stalling at the 40. They were so good at getting there. And they did that in that scrimmage, too, where Logan Bonner came in, they completed three great passes, and then they stalled on the 40-yard line. Right. Uh, yeah, three back-to-back-to-back, and then his successive three passes were throwaways because of pressure, guys weren't in the right place, and there wasn't a wide receiver near the passes that he threw. Yeah. And it was nice because the first two passes he threw on that were to Kyle Van Leeuwen. It was nice to see him get back a little, get back into it a little bit after having a couple drops. Um, you know, I think they're both somewhat short passes, but he made a really good move on one of them. You know, really typical slot receiver move, juking a guy out, and he got a first down on those two passes. He got all the yardage for a first down. Then Bonner threw an absolute dime to Brian Cobbs. Perfect pass, and obviously a great catch. And that got him another 24 yards, and then they, that's when they stalled. Right. Uh, but one of the guys who had a great day was Patrick Joyner Jr. He did not play in the scrimmage the week before. He came in on Saturday and seemed like 
number zero was often at the bottom of the pile, often making a play, often making a, a, uh, you know, hitting somebody behind the line of scrimmage. He had a big day, and uh, he spoke to us kind of a brief session, but here is what Patrick Joyner Jr. had to say after the scrimmage on Saturday. How did Phil have scrimmage number two? How did it go for you guys? It went very well. You know, defense was aggressive as usual. You know, we have fun. We go out there. And our main focus is pursuit to the ball and hit hard. Just a lot of competition out there in the defensive line right now. A lot of guys playing well, making an impact. Uh, how how much is that just kind of a just motivating you for practice to practice? To, 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 you, you know, you basically have to go out there and play your best. You know, every day, you know, we, we do have a lot, of, a lot of competition in the D-line room, but that just motivates every, uh, every single one of us to come out every day and just go hard, you know, try to win that number one spot. Patrick, how are you feeling health-wise? You missed last week's scrimmage with some leg stuff. How are you doing? Well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good right now. You know, we got one of the best trainers in the nation. So I came came out today feeling healthy as ever. Had a great day. You know, I'm ready for the season. It seems like the defensive energy level has been really high in these last two scrimmages. Where's that coming from? Well, that's coming from Coach Bander. You know, all the energy coming from Coach Bander is coming from us making plays on the field. You know, we just feed off each other. You know, we keep each other uh, high hopes. You know, just ball, come out and ball. So that's Patrick Joyner Jr. Now that that defensive sideline is always amped. There's a lot of energy coming off that defensive sideline for Utah State. They're literally doing like crowd cheers in the middle of the game, like the oh 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 oh, <laughs> like they're literally doing that. Yes. Which usually when you get cheers from like benches, that's something you see in. Uh, I see a lot in women's and women's girls, usually like high school girls sports, uh, softball especially. Um, it is it is a thing to behold. They're like the best benches come from girls and women's sports. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're great cheering sections for their own teammates. Yeah, they're spectacular. These aren't, and it's not because they're cheerleaders. Like you know, they do like cheer because they're not doing cheer. They're playing sports. Yeah, we're playing these sports. Depending on what your opinion of cheerleading is, as far as being a sport, but you know, there were a couple of times it was fun to watch. Um, that there were a few times when. A singular player went to the other sideline. And it was always the same two guys who did this. <laughs> Justin McGriff would come across and hang out on the defensive side to dap somebody up if they did something good or talk a little smack, and then he'd make his way back over to the opposite sideline. And defensively, it was Byron Vaughns who would go over to the offensive <laughs> unit and do something similar, and eventually he'd go back with, uh, with his crew. That was kind of fun to watch. Like, why is... Why is a blue jersey coming over to the sea of white? Oh, that's McGriff. He's probably going to talk some smack, and they're having fun over there. Okay. Yeah, Byron Vaughns would do the same thing. There were a few times where they were talking some friendly smack. I remember there was one time where it was on a goal line, and I think after they scored a touchdown, Chandler Dolph and I think some of the defensive linemen were, you know, exchanging some friendly words, you know, friendly trash talk, so to speak. You know, the kind that teammates give to each other. So some some friendly competitiveness down there on the offensive and defensive line, and just offense and defense in general. It, it definitely seemed more friendly Saturday than the Saturday before. Where yeah, it was a, couple chippy. Of, a couple of, <laughs> couple of chippy moments. Yeah, they're, they're, on their, they're on their good behavior for this scrimmage. That's true. They knew the fans were there. Uh, all right, another quick timeout here in the full court press. I want to get to the uh, former Aggies trying to make NFL roster spots. We had some NFL preseason games over the weekend. How did they do? And uh, how did we do and try to predict 
what might happen this past weekend with our pick six. That's coming up next on the Full Court Press. Mountain West Motor, they got a wide selection of trucks and SUVs. I know they just resurfaced their their park, parking lot here just uh, recently, but uh, it makes the, the experience better for you when you go there. But they've got a lot of unique and customized vehicles for your next adventure. You'll check it out. They've been equipped with all the right gear and see what they have in store for your next adventure. 615 North Main in Logan or check them out online, mwmotor.com. I'm here with Mark Anderson from Anderson Seed and Garden. Mark, can you tell us a little about your experience with ChemDry of Northern Utah? You know, our carpets get really dirty at Anderson Seed and Garden, and we clean every January. Our timing is is kind of difficult. I called Daryl, and he was amazing to work around our schedule. They came in and cleaned our carpets. They looked like brand new when they were all done, and uh, they've just been amazing to work with. ChemDry of Northern Utah. This is Dave Simmons for Les Olson Company. Every great team knows that you have to train to stay on top of your game. Even top players continue to practice the fundamentals. That's why Les Olson Company offers free IT security awareness training so your business can stop threats before they become a problem. Learn what to do in case of a suspected phishing attack. Don't take risks. Take action with the Les Olson Security Suite. Get your free network assessment at lesolson.com. Since 1926, our family has been proud to serve the people of Utah. This month at Murdoch Volkswagen, come celebrate our 96th anniversary sales event and receive a $500 gas card on the new Atlas or Atlas Cross Sport. And every new vehicle purchased also receives two years of complimentary maintenance. When you walk through our doors, you feel like family at Murdoch Volkswagen in Logan or online at MurdochVW.com. Call 866-628-3065 or see dealer for complete details. Offer expires 831-22. For the second year in a row, Advanced Heating and AC is honored to be named Gold Medalist for Best of Northern Utah in the AC and HVAC category. They thank you for your support and vote of confidence in their company. You have many choices when it comes to your home's heating and air conditioning system. Make sure you choose the gold medal winning company, Advanced Heating and AC. Call 752-7272 or stop by their showroom west of DI online at advancedheating-ac.com. Hi, this is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. At White Pine, we value compassion, integrity, and service. We are committed to serving you and treating your family as our family. We will be here when you need us most to listen, to help, and to provide exactly what your circumstances require. At White Pine, we promise to dedicate our time and attention to you and your family. We invite you to come by and meet us. We're confident you'll feel a difference. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Eric Franson, Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press, 435-339-0321 if you want to chime in. Uh, we've been talking a lot about that scrimmage on Saturday for USU. It's still time for you to weigh in if you were there. Uh, what did you see? Questions you have? Observations you made? Uh, certainly you can always go back and read Jason's recap at the bottom of the story 
uh, are the videos. You can see what Coach Hinton players had to say. Here it again. But um, no, they've still got some things to work on. They still have time to work on it, though. That's what's nice. Yeah, those things. Coach said if there's one thing he's one positive thing he's taken away, it's because they don't play for two more weeks. Yes. They got two weeks to work on all this stuff. A little bit earlier than normal scrimmage, that's because their season begins a little bit earlier than normal. Yeah. So they still have time. Uh Aggies in the NFL. At least former Aggies trying to make NFL rosters. Friday it was the Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers. Jordan Love was the designated starter. 13 of 24, 176 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. He also rushed the ball four times for 24 yards. Um, his coach wasn't really down on him with the interceptions. Uh, this was comments he made around halftime because those weren't really on Jordan Love. Some of those were tips. Uh, it was thrown in the right place. Wide receiver just didn't bring it in properly and uh, got tipped around. Somebody else picked him off. That's not the quarterback's fault, but he gets credited for the interception. Yeah, no, that's the unfortunate thing because when you go in as a fan, you look at that and think, oh, three interceptions, oh gosh. And it's it looks bad on the quarterback, but the wide, yeah, the wide receiver doesn't get – all he gets is maybe a drop, but he doesn't get like, oh, or drop and targeted. interception. Yeah, targeted. Yeah, if he doesn't touch it at all. like like I guess some people track drops, but usually, yeah, people don't really look at drop numbers. They just see targets and receptions. And they assume if the targets is you know higher than the receptions, oh, they just missed him. Right. It's been overthrown. Yeah. It always comes back to the quarterback, and they get the blame. But the quarterbacks do get more of the credit. So, you know, it's a two-way street here with quarterbacks. But those two touchdowns were beautiful throws. Yeah. They looked good. Uh, but, yes, pass efficiency needs to improve. Throwing it into the right windows needs to improve. Yeah. So that was his thing in college is that, you know, in that 2018 season, he did throw a lot of turnover-worthy throws, and that's why I wasn't too surprised or disappointed with the 17 picks he threw of the next season because, you know, he's throwing a lot of those same balls the next year. And then in the NFL, it's something he's got to keep improving on is not throwing the bad passes, really honing his skills. He has all the talent, got to hone those skills, be a good quarterback. Uh, other players of note in that game, Dallin Levitt with three tackles, former Aggie. Uh, he forced a fumble, but on that play, injured his shoulder, and uh, Coach LaFleur saying he's going to be out for a while. That's the only term that he used, but it looks like it's it may require surgery for Dallin Levitt. Unfortunately, it may get him cut because he's kind of on the fringe roster. If they, if they believe in him, they may keep him on, put him on IR instead, if they like his special teams. Um Potential. Which I think they seem to be pointing more in that direction that they liked his ability to make plays on special teams. Yeah, and that's what he did with the Raiders for, I think, three years, uh, two or three years. So, uh, Tipa Nalii, two tackles, a sack, which was encouraging. Yeah. But he, too, got an injury, injured his shoulder. Not expected to be long-term, but here's a guy who was playing to be a, a backup linebacker and is going to miss some time with the shoulder injury. All these fragile shoulders. Uh, that's too bad. So hopefully he has a quick return. Uh, on Saturday, it was a couple of former Aggies at the wide receiver position. Uh, Derek Wright, earlier in the day, led all Carolina receivers with three catches and 46 yards. He did. Uh, um, did he uh, injure his shoulder too? He did not injure his <laughs> shoulder. Uh, and then Devin Tompkins, two catches for 11 yards. One of those was, went for negative yards. Yeah. He did have a 16-yard catch. 
But uh, they also used him in punt return and kickoff return. Yep. So that's encouraging. Seemed like he was their primary guy for both, which is interesting because I saw him on, like, third on the depth chart. Um, maybe there's hope. Yeah. So uh, encouraging numbers by former Aggies trying to make NFL rosters. So how did we do in trying to predict what was going to happen this weekend, Jason? <laughs> um, well, I guess we can start with mine. Uh, so speaking of Devin Tompkins and Derek Wright, we had I put an over-under – it combined catches at five and a half. They had five combined. Oh. Uh, we both picked the under, so we both got that one right. Okay. Uh, tackles for Tipanaliai, as you said, he had two. The over-under was four and a half. I picked the under, you picked the over. Oh. Uh, then passes thrown by Jordan Love before he either throws an interception or a touchdown. And I put the over at 14 and a half. He threw a touchdown on his sixth throw. Uh, we both picked the under for that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's two to one for me. So uh, Derek Wright yards versus uh, Washington. You put the over under at 12 and a half. As you said, he had 46. Yeah. I picked the over. You picked the under. Yeah. I don't like where this is headed. No, it's not going any better. <laughs> uh, Kelsey Plum points versus the Las, uh, in Seattle versus the Las Vegas Aces. Plum plays for the Aces. Uh, over under points 21 and a half. That's where you set the line. Uh, with 16.1 seconds, she had 21 points. Uh, then she made a layup with 5.9 seconds oh. <laughs> to go to 23 wow. to go over. Uh, I picked the over. You picked the under. Oh, of course. <laughs> and then last one, interceptions by quarterbacks in the USU scrimmage. You set the line at two and a half. I picked the under. You picked the over. Although I thought it was the other way around. Um, I had to go back and listen to it. Uh, the reality was two, uh, so there were. I think there were two more that were thrown, but they they were thrown after. Yeah, one didn't count because it ended up being a sack. Yeah, one was so. a procedural thing, but officially on the records, it was two. Yeah, so uh, I went six for six. Oh my word! You were a perfect six for six. <laughs> and I would have had the tiebreaker too. So what was our tiebreaker again? It was predicting the score of the Falcons Lions. Uh, we didn't pick a winner. We just kind of picked two different scores. Uh, I was off by 16. I predicted 24 to 10. Uh, you picked 18 to 11. It was 23. Sorry, 27-23. Oh, okay, a lot more points. So I was off by 16. You're off by 21. Oh, so gosh, I remain the champion Undefeated. after a perfect week. And that was the thing. I thought it was. I thought it was five to three. Then I was listening to it before the show to double check, and I could have sworn that I picked the. Uh, uh, the over on the interceptions, but uh, the listeners like, wait a minute, it was the other way around. So, <laughs> wouldn't have mattered. No, it didn't. Wouldn't have mattered. <sighs> and okay. I was, I, and I was tracking the the Kelsey Plum game, but at that point, I knew I'd I'd already won. <laughs> it didn't matter. Oh, uh, that's funny. That's funny. It's down to the last six seconds. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so that's our uh, yeah pick six. Nine through one five says, I think Jason's conspired with Ajay for the pick six greatest showing. Uh, you're definitely on track. You've got a nice win streak going there. It's impressive. Uh, all right, so tomorrow, uh, we, more to get through uh, with uh, Utah State football. I'm anticipating, fingers crossed, that I actually do get to practice tomorrow. We've made arrangements. I'll be able to hear from some of the players uh, how things are progressing for them. Uh, there's uh, speculation about the NBA schedule release. Though that's expected to come Wednesday, but there's starting to be a few details uh, kind of uh, 
sneaking out about yeah, they're leaking opening games and Christmas Day games, things like that. So we'll still have plenty to get through tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. I love all the texts that we got today. We'll be back at it again tomorrow.